Welcome to the 100% Finance Podcast with Juan Pablo, the podcast where we will show you how to get income-producing assets like real estate and businesses with little to no money out of your pocket so you can say goodbye to the 9 to 5 and be financially free. Here's your host, Mr. Cashflow, Mr. Credit Repair, Mr. Business Credit, Mr. Buy and Hold Until the Wheels Fall Off, the People's Mentor, Juan Pablo. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? This is Juan Pablo from the 100% Finance Podcast at 100%Finance.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad you, you joined in to this audio recording. On the line, we have a special guest with us. His name is uh, Chris Robbins, and he's the CEO of Open Book Ben, which is a uh, credit monitoring service for business credit. Is that pretty much accurate, Chris? Oh, thanks, Juan. It's, uh, it's more of a, a business credit bureau, um, so we're providing every aspect of, of service to small companies. So we're providing them with uh, an initial business credit score, um, but we're also letting them take ownership and to participate in the business credit process. So it's a little bit different from credit monitoring. Right, not credit monitoring, but more so bureau. All right, great. So uh, welcome to the call. Thanks for clearing, clearing that up early on, and uh, I really appreciate you joining the, the podcast. And uh, so if you can, if you just tell us a little bit about your background. I know you had some, um, some ties to entrepreneurship, so I'm just curious to know about your background and how you got started. Yeah, sure, Juan. I'd be glad to talk about my, my background and my start as an entrepreneur. Um, I got out of school in uh, 1997. Um, I was a history major in college, and that wasn't particularly useful to entrepreneurship, but I don't have any regrets because it was a terrific thing to study, and I think I'm better for it. Um, I started my first business even before um, the last semester ended um, with two friends of mine from college, and we, uh, we bit off a whole lot. We were trying to uh, bring high-speed Internet to large apartment buildings and office buildings uh, in large urban areas. This is long before broadband even existed. There were a small number of people using Internet dial-up services like AOL and CompuServe back then, but the Internet was definitely a, a new entity. And uh, we slugged through it for about a year and a half, and my, my first venture was, was not successful. Um, we, uh, we closed the doors after about a, about a year and a half. We just couldn't get uh, the customers we needed to support it. But I, I learned a whole lot. Um, I guess the one thing I learned is when I was a young man, I thought I knew everything, and I knew very little. Um, but it was, uh, it was a great experience, and I think I'm better for it. I met uh, tremendously awesome people there. I remember uh, two customers I have, Alan Klein Apartments uh, and David Edelman of Campus Apartments, um, I think they uh, were as interested in helping me and seeing me succeed as they were in uh, consuming our, our fledgling service. Um, and uh, it was a wonderful experience, even though it wasn't a successful one. Yeah, that, that actually happened. I remember, uh, I think I was reading a book, and uh, Robert Kiyosaki, I'm sure you heard of him, the author of uh, the famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he mentioned that uh, he was hosting a seminar, and in the middle of speaking, one of his audience members just stood up, interrupted him and said, hey, I heard that, you know, uh, nine out of ten businesses fail within the first five years. Then after that, you know, they, they fail even at a steeper rate. And he countered, Robert Kiyosaki countered and said, well, yeah, that's why I knew I had to start ten businesses. <laughs> that's right. I, you, know, I, said, you know, right. I struck out on my first uh, two businesses, but the third one I hit a home run. 
So it's like you've got to kind of have that, that fortitude, you know, like, okay, uh, you lost on this business, but I learned some valuable experiences to take away from this and on to the next. So, I think um, a young entrepreneur has, has to be committed to uh, not just working hard and, and trying to succeed, but they, they have to also be uh, understanding that their, their skills and abilities when they're very young are, are obviously limited. Um, and uh, I think you learn more from your failures. I think your failures make you a better and deeper person. And I, I think that if we succeeded at everything we did, uh, entrepreneurship would be pretty boring. That's true. Like going straight from A to Z is a boring route. It, it makes it more fun in life to go from A than to C and then back to B and then, you know. So uh, being that you were doing this uh, Internet stuff uh, early on, you were pretty much ahead of your time, huh? Uh, you know, well, yes, but that's, that's no excuse. And I, I never really um, was fond of the phrase uh, ahead of your time. I've heard it hundreds of times, and, and I always hear it as an excuse. It's it is the entrepreneur's job to uh, bring products and services to a market that are likely to be consumed. And if they're too ahead of their time, that, that is a strategic failure. It's an example of a business that in many cases, in most cases, I would say, should not have even been started. Um, you know, that said, if you have tremendous capital and tremendous experience and a tremendous team, um, there's every reason to bring transformational products and services that disrupt a market. And uh, I think, you know, Henry Ford was famously uh, quoted as saying, if I had listened to the public, I would have built a faster horse. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, um, you know, innovation has its place um, and inspirational innovation has its place, but I, I just am always cautious with the advice that I give young entrepreneurs not, not to bite off more than they can chew. Um, so, yeah. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Based upon your, your uh, first uh, business venture, what would you have done differently if you can go back and, you know, rewind the hands of time? Uh, yes, and in, in that example, we were, we were trying to completely transform uh, the way people consume um, information and access the Internet by bringing uh, high-speed Ethernet to these big buildings. And, and that's a great idea, and, of course, we all have that now. Um, but that was a capital-intensive project, and we just didn't have the capital. So if I could unbake that particular cake, I'd go back and I'd say, all right, well, we have a solution here that will make this faster and make this a better, pro uh, um, a better product for the masses, um, but we need partners. We need partners who have the deep pockets who can bring this to a larger market. So I would have shared our technology instead of hoarded it, um, I would have reached out to the telecoms and the cable companies, and I would have tried to hook them up, uh, literally and figuratively, um, with what we were doing so that they could have done it faster and better and cheaper. And if I had done that, we probably would have ended up with a very successful uh, engineering and R&D-based company um, with some very valuable in intellectual property, and uh, who knows where it would have gone. But we, we tried to attack too much too soon. Right, right. Well, I guess you learned a lot from that experience, and now you have a new business venture. So um, about this new business venture, which is the reason why we have you on this call, what ignited the spark that started this new business venture? And the second question, how did the idea for this business come about? Um, my, my last company was a real estate company, um, and we specialized in commercial office building rehabs. Um, and, and this is a, a very interesting um, company that looks for 
um, and acquires financially distressed um, office buildings, um, and we then renovate them and we then fill them up with tenants. And the filling up of tenants part is the hardest, as everybody knows. Anybody uh, with some skills can renovate um, office space or residential, residential space. So our challenge, of course, was finding um, the awesome companies who would come in, appreciate what we've done, and then pay nice rents. Um, and I started um, trying to, um, to score and predict who would be a good tenant and who would be a bad one, who would be naughty and who would be nice. And I began consuming in large quantities the available credit and data products that, that help you predict credit worthiness. Um, and uh, our conclusion very quickly, um, and this was back in, in 2008 and 2009, was that these products were, were not going to satisfy our need for more intelligence and better predictive modeling. So we started credit scoring effectively um, based on our own models internally. And it wasn't long before we said, you know what, there's, there's just got to be a better way that we can bring this to a wider market and give everybody the tools that, that we've developed. And hey, wouldn't it also be great if we can create not just another credit bureau, but a community where business owners themselves participate in this process where it's, um, in, where it's iterative, where it's peer-to-peer, -peer, where you as the business owner have control and a say as to what data is reported. Um, and this is really the direction we think that the world's going in, which is, you know, this is your company, this is your data, this is your credit file, um, and we think that you should have um, autonomy and control and participation in it. Um, so it's really spun off a whole lot of unique features and benefits that we've created uh, for OpenBookBan. Um, you know, the, the credit bureau as it has been uh, um, executed and deployed and, and provided to our user base um, is achieving all of these objectives and much more. Yeah, wow, that's, 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 that's pretty great. It's like you brought it to a larger scale with the businesses because that's the same thing as a landlord that we often go through when uh, selecting a new tenant on a smaller scale, of course. When selecting a new tenant, we definitely want to you know, know that information about their payment history to make sure that they're actually you know, good-paying tenants and you won't be want to check their own credit score, you know. So I think that's a a, a great idea for you to um, to leverage that and to, to bring that 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 type of reporting for businesses to, to the marketplace. Um, yes, also and, and you're, you a, oh, sorry, Juan, go ahead. No, you go ahead if you need to interject. Yeah, I, I was just going to add that it, it is a great product for both the landlord and the tenant, interestingly. And we're talking about the business world. We're talking about um, commercial users, not, not individuals. We don't score and screen individuals. Um, but the landlord gets to see whether the tenant pays the rent on time. Um, and then the tenant, once he pays the rent on time, consistently gets a better credit score by doing so. So it's a really important and symbiotic relationship where both the creditor and the debtor, both the customer um, and the vendor, are improved and their situation is improved and they both have better data as a result of the current relationship they're in and all the prior relationships that are reported. So this is a win-win for everybody. Oh, I didn't, I didn't share this with you yet as a sidebar. Uh, as of this morning, I started receiving um, emails from OpenBookBin about other companies requesting for me to report their payment history because, uh, you know, 100% finance, we offer uh, business credit services, credit repair services, things of that nature. 
and and also uh, consultation. And being that the uh, the gentleman were for his business satisfied the invoice, he immediately you know signed up with you guys with Open Book Ben and asked me to uh, report as a as a vendor. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. That is awesome. That's exactly the way it's supposed to work, and I'm always excited to hear stories like that. Yeah, just instant, just like that. And I wish so. If you guys actually use any of uh, the services or products from 100% Finance, and you do have a business, sign up with Open Book Ben so that I can report, and so that way you can have a you know great payment history. And uh, just a, another question I have for you: um, How'd you guys come up with the name? Like, what is Open Book Ben? Right. The, na- the name is um, supposed to express the fact that we are an open book, that unlike other companies in the, the data and finance business, we want to be transparent. We want people to come in uh, and see the data. Um, we also offer freemium products. So a lot of the customers that, that you're talking about aren't paying anything. We want this to be an easy, simple, inviting process. Um, so open book, we thought really captured that. And then Ben is after Ben Franklin. So I grew up in Philadelphia and I was a big fan of Ben Franklin, Franklin, one of the founding fathers. And he was also, a lot of people don't know this, he was the uh, man who uh, started the first free public lending library. And he of course was in the newspaper business and he had um, an almanac and he had a number of projects and they all seem to have a common theme um, in my mind, which is sharing useful knowledge and information and, and bringing it to a larger audience. Um, I think he would approve, and I think he would love the, the idea, and he would be supportive. Okay. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the, the team that you have in place for, uh, for the company, like your, your board and things of that nature? I'd love to, Juan. We've got, uh, we've got a tremendously awesome board, and we could not have done this project without them. Um, and this has been a long project. You know, some startups are, are up and running in six or eight months, others maybe a year or more, and it's taken us a full two years to get to where we are, um, which is not uncommon for, for data companies. You know, the data is a, is a huge challenge. It was important to us to reach out to um, and have relationships with um, the leaders in our industry before we tackled a problem which was very industry specific. So prior to even starting the company and hiring our first employees, um, we um, organized um, just a sensational group of co-founders, um, and they include people like Van Skilling, the former CEO of Experian, um, Harry Gamble is the former CEO of TransUnion, just an amazing man with an amazing storied career at TransUnion. Uh, George Stuckert um, was the former president of North America of Dun & Bradstreet. Um, and Jim Carr, who most people probably won't know of, um, has some amazing experience that he brings. He's the CEO of Blue Book Services, which does what we're doing um, on a much smaller scale in the agribusiness um, sector. Um, so he's credit scoring and providing a community um, for uh, farmers and agricultural trucking companies, um, milling companies, all sorts of people in agribusiness. Um, this was a, a really tough thing to do, getting all of these these great people together. Um, and, and I'd also uh, share with young entrepreneurs that it's an important process and, and it takes time and it's, it's certainly worth it. Um, you know, it would be unthinkable uh, to participate in a project like this and invest uh, significant capital before having the right people involved and the right advice. 
Okay, perfect. Um, one thing I like to ask people on the podcast is about the mission because I, I think it's always uh, a company's driving force. You know, it, it keeps the motor running and uh, the company moving forward. And with the mission we have at 100% Finance is we want to be able to provide people with the tools that's necessary for them to succeed financially. So what, what is the mission for Open Book Ben? Well, what was your mission at the outset? I, I think very similar to your mission, we are one of those key tools. We want to provide the data, financial information, um, and data intelligence that entrepreneurs and sales and marketing people need to succeed in whatever task they're putting themselves to. So in our case, that, that niche focus is credit data and information. Is We want to give small business people the same tools and the same awesome data about credit worthiness that large companies have. So we've created a solution for the Fortune 5 million, not the Fortune 500, where you can come on and you can find out what someone's credit score is and you can manage your own credit score and you can hopefully make better decisions based on the data and information that we're sharing with you. Okay. And um, how do small business uh, – I made a reference to it earlier about some, some companies that I provide services to, they already start um, signing up. So how do small businesses get on the system? Getting on the system is super easy. It's, it's a very quick sign-up process, and um, I, I would say the best thing they can do is, is click the link under your podcast um, or by going to 100percentfinance.com, your site, to the financial services and credit page, um, and then following the links to, uh, to get to our site. And I think once they arrive at our site, it'll take them less than a minute uh, to go through the join sequence to find their company after they join um, to then claim the company and start managing their business credit. Oh, that seems simple, very simple. And, yeah, guys, and I've used it myself, so I signed up, and uh, very simple. And the thing that amazed me is, is their directory. I was able to start typing in the first few letters of my business, and it automatically populated had the business address, everything. And the only thing I had to do was just like update some of my uh, contact information. And I was easily able to add vendors so uh, they can start reporting my great payment history for I have a lot of uh, business credit cards and other vendors in the real estate world. So it's very easy and uh, simple to use. All right, Chris, next question. Um, so what has been like your, your biggest challenge so far? Well, I think like uh, all uh, startup CEOs, Juan, who, who aren't independently wealthy, um, we all have the same biggest challenge, and that's raising money. Um, this was a particularly big project. Um, we've raised over $3.5 million, um, and that's a, that's a lot for a startup. Um, but uh, by comparison, one of the established competitors in our industry um, recently spent $150 million just to modernize uh, their architecture, data, and system, and uh, we build it from scratch for um, a fraction of that. So we're very proud of it. Um, we're very proud of what we've built, um, and we're very excited about the future. But uh, it, it has been uh, um, challenging to get um, all of these investors on the same page and, and committed. Um, you know, it's getting easier, not, not harder. Um, we're currently raising what's called our bridge round, um, our bridge round will be our last um, small round prior to um, a large what's called Series A, which is an institutional round where we hopefully will successfully raise millions and millions of dollars. Um, but uh, at this point, we're still, uh, we're still uh, looking hard for investors, 
Um, and we're excited to work with anybody who gets the same amount of adrenaline and excitement that, that we have here about our product. True. That's, that's very true. You want people on the team that's as, as passionate as you are. That's, that goes to um, Jim Collins' book, um, Good to Great, which is a book I'm currently reading. And that's one of the points he makes is about it's not necessarily the direction where you're going on the bus. It's really about who you have on the bus. And you want to have good people on the bus who share that same mission statement, who share that same desire and passion that you do, so that you, as the driver of the bus, the CEO, if you need to change course, they'll be down with it. Yeah, because they understand the, the true mission, and you guys work well together as a team. You know, it's not about just having highly qualified people and then you don't have good chemistry. You know, you want to have good people, people of character, people who who are passionate to be on your bus with you. Um, all right, so what's uh, what's some recent milestones that you guys had so far? You know, sure. I I think that actually. Um is also in part answer to your your last point, which is pivoting, which is you know sometimes the product that you generate isn't the product that you thought from the very beginning you were necessarily going to make. Our product is so much broader and more um, uh, and has so many more uses than we ever possibly imagined. So one of our deliveries um, on Friday of last week was called Matchmaker. Um, and let me just back up and give everyone the thirty thousand foot view. Um, you know, the people listening to this podcast and the people um, in small business and entrepreneurship, they care very much about business credit, um, and they care very much about getting more business credit and, you know, eventually getting business credit loans and business credit cards and, and all of the, the various things they need to operate, lines of credit, um, corporate, uh, corporate credit cards, all of those sorts of things. Um, but there are a large number of users that we had a very hard time reaching out to and getting them to accept the system and give us a fair try. Um, so we sought feedback and we talked to our users, especially the users who weren't coming back, and we said, what can we do to make this system more attractive, exciting, uh, and usable for you? And they said, well, you've got all this great data, guys. Open Book Ben's got you know, data on 29 million companies. Can we use it for marketing purposes? And we scratched our heads and said, you know, you want it for what? And they said, yeah, marketing purposes. So we just released a platform which we call Matchmaker. And Matchmaker enables marketing and sales professionals and entrepreneurs who have those responsibilities to make B2B, business-to-business -business lists, and to get leads and other data and information so that they can go out and actually reach people. And we still have a bit of work to do on this, but it, it is working, and the initial users are saying good things about it. Um, eventually, we're going to turn on the revenue because this is a way that we make money and exist. Um, we're going to be charging $49 a month for this particular product, um, and we're excited about that. Um, another recent milestone was we um, entered into a strategic partnership with FullContact.com in Denver, um, and if you guys don't know what that is, um, it's, it's a great site uh, and app where you can sync up your contacts, including your business leads um, and CRM data and that sort of thing. Um, and they will help you gap fill it. But you know, it's kind of like a, a two-way street. If you take data from them, you have to give data back. So as a result, they've got really good 
um, contact information and, and social information um, about you know millions and millions of companies. So we just did a trade with Full Contact, and we gave them a whole lot of our data. In return, they gave us a whole lot of their data. And of course, it's just business data. We don't have any individuals in there. We're not scoring individuals, and, if, and neither are they. But uh, it was a very exciting deal for us, and we're uh, we're very proud of it. Uh, that, that's 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 a very powerful lesson. It's like uh, you go into business. Like I guess back to the bus analogy, you think you're going to go in one direction, and then you know you just being aware of what's going on and being adaptable. You say, you know what, maybe we should also go down this route. You know, just just yep. being open. Um, so what what is next for Open Book Ben? What would you say? Uh, you know, before I get to that, I'd like to comment on that last point about the bus again because it's a real estate analogy, and a lot of your listeners, I think, are, are in real estate. So I had a very similar situation where I had uh, a commercial property. It was in Denver. And um, I was approached by a daycare of, of all types of users, right? You know, I'm used to doing business with commercial tenants who, you know, have financial services companies or real estate companies or um, IT companies. And a daycare shows up out of the blue and says, you know, we really like your location. And, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, amazed and dazed and scratching my, my head. I'm like, you know, why do you want my location? This is an office building. Well, then I did the demographic research, and it, and it dawned on me. You know, the building was in a central area of town, and there were no other daycares. So they had done their, their due diligence. They had done their homework, and, you know, they show up with a quasi-retail use, and they said, can you build it? Well, we said yes, and it was one of the best decisions we made that year. It was a, it was a great transaction for all involved, and we were we were excited to get a daycare in one of our office buildings. Wow, that's 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 very amazing because most people say no. I mean, it's just this is office space, you know, and right. And while there are no other daycare centers in the area, and so you'll pretty much have a, a monopoly in in that regard. Um, that, that's good. So, um, so back to the, I guess the question I had. So, what do you say is next for Open Book Ben? Um, we're excited about a few things that we're working on. On the engineering side, um, our database is huge, but it still needs a lot of hygiene. So that's that's a big priority right now. Um, and the pressure is on because now that people are using the data for marketing purposes, not just credit purposes, they want to make sure that the data. Um, is uh, obviously nearly 100% perfect. Um, you don't want to waste your time calling leads if the phone number is bad. So we're, we're trying to work on that and come up with various solutions to um, cleanse our data and make sure it's, uh, it's even better. Um, on the business development side, we're about to reach out to more banks um, and nine regulated lenders. Um, there are a whole bunch on the platform, but uh, there are never enough, and that's one of the primary reasons people are interested in, in signing on with us and managing their own small business profile and credit score is the possibility that um, lenders are going to take notice and, and start using that with more frequency. So that's important for us as well. Um, so I think those are, those are the two um, primary challenges right now. There are some other things going on as well, but uh, that's, that's what we're excited about. Okay, and I had a question about um, misconceptions. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about various businesses, but in regard to the uh, obtaining, because a, a large portion of my audience, they they look to receive funding for their business, uh, they need capital, um, and they have some of the misconceptions as well about uh, business credit bureau. Can you clear up any? Uh, 
misconceptions that may be out there? Well, I, I sure can. Let, let me first say something about about the industry in general because it it has a bad rap. And even though we are kind of the disruptor and the new kid on the on the block, we we still have tremendous respect for the people in our industry who who work hard and and generally um, in in all cases that I'm aware of, you know, want to do good. And and that's kind of one of the misconceptions is that you know there's somehow this boogeyman out there who has you know your credit score and um, doesn't want you to succeed, and nothing can be further from the truth. Um, the reason we're able to offer a freemium product is because the people who want to lend you money are the ones paying for our system. Um, and therefore, um, read between the lines here, there needs to be um, a, a positive, meaningful coming together of borrower and lender in order for this to succeed. So nobody has the interest um, of small businesses at heart more than we do. You know, that, that's why we're doing everything. That's why this whole thing exists, is we want you to be able to prove that you've got good credit. We want you to be able to manage this thing. We want you to be able to interact with it. The goal here is for you to eventually be able to say, well, I had such great credit, I was able to get a low-interest loan. I was able to get better financing. I was able to do business with, uh, with a really good vendor who uh, appreciated the fact that I had a good credit score and didn't feel exposed for trade credit. So these are very important aspects of our economy, and, and no one is more interested, I think, in seeing um, relationships uh, kindled successfully between borrowers and lenders than we are, and, it, and it's our job to expedite that. Oh, excellent, excellent. And um, on a personal level, being that you're the uh, CEO of the company, how many hours do you work a day or per week on average, would you say? Um, probably too many, um, but I, I think I have a pretty good work-life balance. I've, I've got two young daughters, and I, I do spend a lot of family time. Um, but my, my weeks are... are um, you say granddaughters? Are, no, daughters, daughters. Oh, I'm like, wow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you look pretty young in the photo. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm, not that, that I'm not that old. Yeah, I'm 41 right now, so, uh, <laughs> so I, I work about about 70 hours a week, I'd say. So I start I start really early, um, you know, sometimes five, um, and then I do my my first kind of, um, you know, catching up on email, catching up on paperwork, trying to figure out what the day looks like, um, mm -hmm. sorting out priorities. It's it's very important to have you know, sort of a game plan for each and every day and, and not end up hostage to other people's agendas. So, you know, it's your job as an entrepreneur um, to provide leadership, including leadership over you, over, you know, how you're going to spend your time on a particular day. So I try to start the day with that. Um, and then I have breakfast with my daughters and then I go to work and I continue. Um, and then I put in a full day um, and then I come back and there's more family time. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of a workaholic. I usually will get a second wind, you know, somewhere around 8, 8.30 after the kids are in bed, and I'll work a couple more hours. So um, startup is pretty serious. Um, you know, it's all about the hard work. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather... You, you made some good points about uh, not allowing people to eat up too much of your time, because if you allow them, they will definitely do it, especially on the phone. Like, to me, when the phone rings, that's like your biggest distraction, because we all have that... Um, inkling within us like, oh, the phone's ringing. We have to stop immediately what we're doing and take this call, even though we know that this call might not be important. And even though we know that it will distract us and break our focus on this important task that we're currently doing. So it's kind of like you really have to 
say no to a couple people or very or stretch your time. And another thing you said, you know, make sure in the morning <clears throat> you kind of outline what you want to do for the day. It's kind of like a pilot. You know, a pilot just doesn't get into a plane to fly off. They have like a very extensive checklist that they go through to make sure that everything is met before they take off. And I feel like people need to do that as well, have like a, a daily agenda, make sure they check off the most important things that they're supposed to do before they really move forward and start their day, you know. But uh, I completely you must, you must agree. Passionate yeah. though, because there's no way that you can work 70 hours a week and, and not be passionate about what you do. Yep, you are correct. And, and on your point as to uh, as to the phone, um, I, I feel the, the same way. I, I do very little incoming phone. I mean, there's there's almost none. Um, you know, you're either picking your appointments and picking the right appointments. Um, and depending on what you're doing, you know, if, if you're in real estate um, and you're doing real estate sales, um, you better be picking appointments with prospective tenants. You better have a whole lot of those, right? Um, if you're in residential real estate, you better be picking appointments. The appointments are with residential prospective tenants of your apartment building or your, or your single-family house that you're renting. So it's, it's the same story. Whatever, whatever you're doing, um, if you're in charge of the ship, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're running your small company, um, you do need to be very guarded about your time, and you need to be very efficient about your time. Yeah, like Steve Jobs, I saw an interview. Um, he, he was in a panel with uh, Bill Gates, and he was, he was discussing passion, like you have to be passionate in what you do. He said because if you're, if you're sane, it, it pretty much like passion to the point of insanity. And he's like, because if you're sane, a sane person will quit. For you to keep going like this 70 hours a week, you know, you're constantly uh, doing so many activities. You know, you would say, like, and if you're not getting the immediate results, anybody will quit. Oh, this is not working out. So that's why you really have to be passionate about it because that fuels you to keep going despite you're not achieving um, results early on, you know. Yep. And, and I, I would further say that, that it's always a marathon and it's never a sprint. So an, an entrepreneur who, who's new and has dreams of becoming a successful entrepreneur um, better be committed to a long slog. Um, you know, success comes from, from planning, as you put it, navigating, setting a course, um, but it more significantly takes the act of sailing on through to a sunrise over and over again, day after day, year after year, until you reach whatever your own personal new world is. Um, I, I think there's a lot of misinformation, uh, especially these days with the instant fulfillment crowd, the, the celebrity culture crowd, um, you know, that, that these are uh, objectives that can be attained quickly and easily, and that, that's just never the case. Um, there's no rich, get-rich-quick scheme. There's, there's no, you know, likely strategy that's going to make you, you know, wealthy overnight. Um, you know, as, as we learned with this project, there are 29 million U.S. companies, and fewer than 18,000 have an IPO. Um, there are fewer than 18,000 publicly traded. So even the few um, hundred um, technology, you know, success stories that you've heard about, you know, the, the Facebooks, the Googles, um, these all came after major infusions of capital, game-changing technology, um, inspirational leadership, and, and years of research and development. You know, there, there are no free lunches out there. Right. That's, that's true. So uh, being that we're, we're talking to entrepreneurs here and somewhat giving them advice, what's one 
piece of advice would you give to someone just you know just starting out? What would that be? Well, yeah, we we talked about my my first company which failed, um, and uh, that was because we bit off more than we could chew. So I I do always have one I think gold nugget um, that if if people would um, would consider it um, would probably save tremendous amounts of heartaches for you know hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs. And and the golden nugget is this: um, if this is your first one, um, start with a service company where you're providing service to people in your community. Um, do not try to, to boil the ocean. Do not try um, some kind of transformational project where you have to get millions of people involved. Um, if this is your first time as an entrepreneur, pick something you do well that's a service and start selling it. And if you look around your community, there are thousands of people in your community um, that have made that decision. Um, so the owner of the auto body shop is selling a service. Um, you know, the owner of, um, of a shoemaker shop is selling a service. There aren't a whole lot of them anymore, right? We throw, out, throw away our shoes these days, but um, right. that's a, bl- a blast from the past. But the, the landscaping company owner who runs a team of five or six um, employees and keeps people's lawns mowed and their flowers pretty, um, th- that's a great place to start. And the real estate analogy is, um, you know, a fix-and-flip um, um, adventure um, where you're buying your first home and you're fixing it up with your own hands, with your own labor, with your own blood, sweat, and tears, um, that, that's a manageable project to get started with. And then, you know, you might grow into apartments, you might grow into three or five or even a tenplex, um, and then you're selling customer service, keeping your tenants happy. So I, I think on the spectrum of things, it's, it's very important to start off with something manageable. There are a lot of broken dreams um, where uh, well-meaning, hard-working entrepreneurs um, took on projects that were really just impossible to, to achieve. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> Yeah, that's that's good because I have a um, a good friend of mine in the New York City area, and he's he's in the infant stages of starting a blog, and um, his main thing is uh, interviewing you know people in the community who are business owners and just see how they're doing, how they got started, um, see how they're doing financially. He says because everyone is is really sold on how sexy a new startup tech company is or this brand new. Uh, business you've seen on Shark Tank or whatever. He's like, but what about these mom and pop stores, these dry cleaners, or like you said, auto body shops and things of that nature? These people are, you know, they might not be driving a, you know, Lamborghini, but these guys are making really good money. You know, and they might have dreams and aspirations. They start small to start expanding and maybe even franchising at some point. Um, so it's a really cool thing. So any uh, final words that you have for uh, the listeners here? Um, I, I, I would say, yes, take, take control of your business credit. Um, we've now given you the tools to do that. Um, the platform at openbookbend.com is the answer to the frustration that you and millions of other small business owners have had for decades. So before this was the purview of um, you know, corporate execs in, in New Jersey or um, faraway cities, and they would solely determine what your score was, and you would be um, helpless to do anything about it. 
and the world is now different, and it's because of this product. So we, we want as many of you to come in, um, take the bull by the horns, uh, manage this, um, and we're, we're doing it as a public service. We're not making any money from that. So um, we will succeed if enough of you join us in this, uh, this quest um, and help us uh, really reshape this particular marketplace so that lenders and, uh, and borrowers can get together on better terms. And that's, uh, that's the essence of what we're trying to do. Hey, you already have um, major banks looking at Open Book Bend, right, for, for funding reasons for, for small businesses. Is that correct? We, we do, yes. There, there, are, there are many banks, and there are also non-regulated lenders, um, and there are even hard money lenders uh, actively uh, using the system at this point. So there you have it, guys. So if I were you in your shoes, sign up. Again, it's free. Just, you're not going to get spammed with a ton of emails. or It's nothing like that. Just sign up right now. Take action. All right. So uh, thanks, Chris. I, I really appreciate your time. And um, thanks for, for all your, your, your words of wisdom, too. You know, you had a couple jewels in that. Um, in, this, in this recording, and uh, I'm sure a lot, myself and as well as my listeners, greatly appreciate your time. It is my pleasure, Juan. I enjoyed having this conversation with you. And, and further, if any of your listeners ever want entrepreneurship advice or tips, uh, they can email me. My email is chris at openbookben.com. There you have it. There you have it. So hopefully you won't get uh, 10,000 emails by tomorrow <laughs> after I uh, upload this podcast. But, but thanks, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. Bye, Juan. Bye,